sermon series at the moment and Pastor Sean and Linda are away. So I'm a free range chicken this morning <laughs> as far as topics go. <laughs> so I was trying to seek out God for what I should speak about today. And I feel really just to emphasise some very basic principles. You will have heard them all before. But I think it sort of taps into what Ricky shared. Sometimes we just have to reframe things. We just have to look at things differently. So I was struggling to find my flow and I asked God, you know, what should I do? You remind me of that passage in uh, uh, Samuel when he, King David, so 1 Samuel 6, when King David organised the return for the ark. And as part of that, he celebrated with absolute abandon, took off all his kingly robes and his wife despised him because, you know, he'd made a fool of himself as far as she was concerned. And it's David's response that challenged me. In verse 22, he says, I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. And I felt that gentle nudge from God. So, Jane, just how undignified are you prepared to be for me? <laughs> and so with the assistance of my most excellent photographer, Robin Hipkiss, and my partner in crime, the very good sport, Diane Marshall-Inman, the subject matter for this morning's message is based on, and I'm sure you will have all twigged to it already, my aqua aerobics class. <laughs> now, we have a beautiful new baptismal pool here. And look, if it was really commissioned, I could have showed off my prowess for you right here, right now. <laughs> Although if I wore my swimmers to church, that could be considered assault with a deadly weapon. <laughs> but brace yourself, I have photos. And the church will kindly be offering free counselling afterwards to anyone traumatised by what you're about to see on screen. Now, I've been doing aqua aerobics for approximately three weeks now, so obviously I'm quite the expert. <laughs> so if we imagine that the pool full of water represents our daily life, whether it be at work, at uni, at school, at home, on holiday even. Most of us get up in the morning, do our routine, perhaps have a quiet time, have brekkie, and when we walk out the door, we are ready to face the world. So this is me, hopefully, arriving at the pool. <laughs> I am so ready, folks. But as we start dipping our toes in the day, we suddenly can start to find things are slipping from our control. How does that happen? And it happens so quickly at times. Have you ever had those days where you've had a clear plan for what you will achieve and it goes belly up in the first five minutes? So how do we cope when things start to go haywire? How do we keep our head above water? So here are some simple life thoughts from me today from my aqua aerobics class. The first point is be careful what you cling to. Now, have you ever used one of those foam noodles in a swimming pool? It's meant to help you stay afloat, right? I look around my aqua aerobics class and women are daintily bobbing up and down look on their noodles, their hair dry and perfectly quaffed. Some ladies even wear glasses in the pool and at least one was wearing makeup one week in the pool. This is my friend Diane elegantly balancing on her noodle. She makes it look so easy, doesn't she? 
It's supposed to be bobbing gracefully along the waves of life. We're called to be in the world, in the water, but we're not actually of the world, not overcome or overwhelmed by the water. We're meant to stay above the water no matter what comes our way, beautifully giving testimony to the wonders of God by our ability to cope whatever, with whatever is thrown at us. But try as I might, this is what I look like clinging to my noodle. And my game to even look, oh my gosh. Now the trick is, you can take that down, visual media team. The trick is to make sure you know and understand just what it is you're clinging to when you're facing the real world. What is the actual substance of what you're depending on? So if we're looking for affirmation from our job, our study, our family, our finances, our health, even our ministry area at church, then any time even a small ripple happens in one of those areas, if we're clinging to it, if we're actually finding our identity in that thing, we're knocked over with it and are easily overwhelmed by our circumstances. We can end up face down wondering what hit us. And upside down in the water, trust me, I've tested this many times now, feels like treacle. And you start to panic a little because you've got to hold your breath till you can right yourself. And it's a very unsafe place to be. But of course, we shouldn't be looking to the things of this world to give us our sense of identity. Instead, in order to float elegantly on our noodle, i.e. the thing we're choosing to cling to, it needs to be made up of the four following elements. First, our knowledge of the character of God. Second, our assurance of our salvation in Jesus. Third, our understanding of the word of God. And fourthly, our openness to the power of the Holy Spirit. And those four things need to actually be in equal balance. Otherwise, it's like there's a chunk missing out of our noodle and over we go. So we're going to take a closer look at these four basic principles that you will have heard of before. First of all, our knowledge of the character of God. This means, in your opinion, do you think God is good? Is he love? Does he love you? Does he take a keen interest in everything you do? Is he all-powerful? Is he in control of things? Do you believe these things or... If life throws a spanner in the works, do you tell yourself his love is not actually big enough to include you or is not quite strong enough to have the victory over whatever you're facing? We must have a firm grasp on the character of God. Here are just some examples. Isaiah 41.10. So do not fear for I am with you and do not be dismayed for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Exodus 34, 6 to 7, and he, that's God, passed in front of Moses proclaiming about himself, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. I could sit all day in that verse alone. And I particularly like this one, Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Oh, but you don't know how difficult my life is. If God is for you, what or who can possibly stand against you? But my family circumstances, my boss, 
my health, my finances. These are all real struggles, but you need to reacquaint yourself with the character of God. He's got you. He loves you. He knows more about your circumstance than you do. So put your trust in him. The second aspect we need to have as part of our noodle is assurance of our salvation in Jesus. All roads do not lead to Rome. Just believing God exists does not cut the mustard. Even the devil believes God exists. Living a good life is not the answer either because let's face it, none of us manage that perfectly. Jesus either paid the highest, most painful and torturous price as the only pathway for our salvation or that makes God a sadistic brute to have had Jesus do that if there were many other ways to him. John 14, 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. Here's the cruncher, the dollar shot. No one comes to the Father except through me. That verse is either a true statement or a lie. What it can't be is anything in between. There is no midpoint and no ambiguity in our understanding of what is meant. Jesus is the only way to be reconciled to our Heavenly Father. Joel 2.32, Acts 2.21 and Romans 10.13 all say everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So in just in case you are sitting there this morning going, but you don't know what I've done, God does for a start. And he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There is room for everybody in his arms and in his heart. It's not about the good enough, the most likeable, or those who appear to have succeeded in life. Everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. And John 3, 16 to 17, well-known passage, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. And just in case I start to think my salvation has anything at all to do with my actions, Ephesians 2, 8, for by grace, you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Do you know sometimes the simplicity of salvation can seem offensive? Well, surely I have to do something to earn it. This verse even says that even the faith we use to respond to God is a gift from God. There is nothing we can do to earn our salvation. If I do more, then I'll earn it. Oh, I've sinned again. I couldn't possibly be welcome. No, it's a gift. And even better, it's free. <laughs> it's free for all of us. But it costs Jesus everything. So if we understand the character of God, we understand our assurance of salvation through Jesus, then the third aspect to our noodle is our understanding of the Word of God. When you face any issue, does a scripture easily pop into mind to counteract whatever you're facing? For example, a good one's Romans 8.28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Or do you have nothing solid to fall back on when life throws a spanner in the works? Let's look at some of these gems that speak of the impact of the word of God, if only we knew 
a short word of God. Luke 1.37, for no word from God will ever fail. Isaiah 55.11, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. No one can get the word of God into you, but you. You might be like me and have a terrible memory. I'm a shocker, I confess. But in this day and age of Dr. Google, <laughs> all you have to type in is a few key words and the verses will magically appear before you. Give it a shot. Next time you're facing a challenging circumstance and then sit back and be amazed at what the Bible says about your situation. And the fourth and final aspect of the noodle we cling to is our openness to the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus told his disciples it was better that he actually leave them because then the Holy Spirit could come and be available to us all with power. Acts 1.8, this is Jesus speaking, quoting him, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 1 Corinthians 2, 4-5, Paul says, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. You see, even with our knowledge of the character of God, the salvation of Jesus and His Word, we actually can't live life in our own strength. The Holy Spirit was sent to empower us and we need to learn how to embrace his presence in our day, every day. Listen to what Jesus said about the Spirit compared to our human selves. In John 6, 63, Jesus said, the Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and of life. So if we cling to these four things, character, salvation, word and power, sure, life will rock us from time to time, but it can, uh, simply cannot sink us. We can keep our head above water. Now, as I face the various ways of life and find myself starting to feel overwhelmed, and trust me, it happens, <laughs> I run through this checklist in my mind and ask, am I missing or feeling weak in my understanding of any one of these four aspects because they need to be in balance. Now, last time I preached was mid, mid last year and I shared my cancer journey with you and I'd, I'd hate to be labelled as, as someone who keeps on banging on about their health. But something happened this week in the area of my health and just so aptly demonstrates how to use these four things to keep your head above water. So I hope you'll forgive me for mentioning it again. So on Wednesday, I received some negative news and it rocked my world. I've been going through the cancer journey for over a couple of years now. And while I have had to have ongoing treatment and have been taking chemotherapy tablets now since November after finishing IV in October, my cancer's been stable for around nine months or so. But on Wednesday, I was told after my later scans that all my tumours have grown. The chemo tablets are not working and I'll need to start... IV chemo again, having been through several months of that twice before, but this time I need to stay on the IV version forever. 
And I know one of my friends watching online this morning already is in the middle of that same journey. My three-week cycle will be chemo, chemo, rest, chemo, chemo, rest for the rest of my days. Now, I was devastated and I cried more than once on the Wednesday as I had to let my various family members and friends know. The news rocked my world. And I've, of course, been praying for healing for the last couple of years. And I have to say, many of you dear people I know have been praying for me too. And I so appreciate it. And I can feel those prayers. So Wednesday was a lousy day. (laughs) And I found myself figuratively floating upside down on my noodle, much like those pictures you saw before. Because my noodle at that stage was comprised of my doctor's words. And I confess, I, I wallowed in that all day. But eventually I began to take stock and walk myself through those four things on my checklist. And I asked God to show me afresh his character. And in John 10, 27, 28, he gave me, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one can snatch them out of my father's hand. So I'm safe in the hands of Jesus and God the Father. No one but God gets to control my future. So then I ask God to remind me of my salvation because the whole thing, for any of you who've been through any serious life things, including health but other things as well, you can start to go, well, I can see why I might have this because perhaps I'm not as good as other people and I haven't perhaps read as much. And you start to make it a works thing. Right, But that's not what God says. So I questioned my salvation, asked God to reassure me. Ephesians 1, 13 to 14. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of faith, message of truth, sorry, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Heaven's my destiny, absolutely guaranteed. I was reminded in his word. Yeah, come on, God. Thank you, God. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. So I was reminded when I looked about the word, give me the word, Lord, to cling on to. He'd given me a verse and it came immediately to mind. I've been praying this verse. Psalm 118, 17. I will not die, but live and will proclaim what the Lord has done. Amen. (laughs) Thank you, God. And I've actually got a little booklet I carry around that someone gave me with um, written by Charles Cap, containing many of the promises of God for healing. And I like one of the notes that he himself has written about the Word of God. It says, To be spoken by mouth three times a day until faith comes, then once a day to maintain faith. If circumstances grow worse, double the dosage. There are no harmful side effects. Oh, amen. The word of God is truth and life to our body. So then I consciously chose to accept the power of the Holy Spirit to sustain me. God, I have nothing. I totally surrender to your power. And he gave me 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So I will not be afraid. I'm passing through the valley of the shadow of death, but it's only a shadow. Have you ever seen someone killed with the shadow of a knife? 
A shadow has no substance. It can only intimidate us if we allow it to. So what's the shadow over your life now? Speak to it. You are nothing. You have no substance. You have no hold over my life. So gradually I began to feel myself coming upright again on the noodle. And my head came above water. And instead of flapping my arms about trying to right myself, I let God's character, his salvation, his word and his power lift me up again. And by Thursday morning, I can honestly say I was floating above water well and truly again. I feel good. I feel God is in control. So what are you clinging to in life? Is it the character, salvation, word and power of God? Because I tell you that works every time. Or maybe you've clung to those things previously, but for example, your confidence in his word has slipped a little and you realise it's time to refresh your outlook and remind yourself of the all-powerful, all-loving, all-forgiving, gracious, kind, strong, invincible God. It's time to renew your confidence in him and trust him to guide your footsteps. And I'm going to get the wrap-up music and I've got miles to go, so relax, folks. So be careful what you cling to in life. My second lesson from aqua aerobics is what goes down must come up. We do these exercises without the noodle in aqua aerobics where you push up and down working your leg muscles. The trouble is I push down, but my legs want to float upwards. (laughs) So I'm very unstable. And when they tell us to lift one leg up, I immediately start to fall over backwards because the other leg wants to pop up too. And I tip. This is a typical example of me managing the leg exercises. (laughs) If I push my leg down, my arm goes up and trying to squat in the water just makes all my limbs swan around like some demented octopus. So why does this happen to me when I can see ladies near me all smoothly doing the exercises? Well, not to put too fine a point on it, it's because fat floats. (laughs) And I have my extra floaties here, so up I pop. (laughs) As much as I try to push myself down, I just pop up again. But you know, sin floats too. We can try to squash down the sins that we know we have in our life. And we've all got them. Come on. I can't be alone here. (laughs) Or the memory of the sins committed against us. We can try to hide them in the depths of the water of life and bury them deep down inside us. After all, no one else in the pool can clearly see what my legs are doing under the water. But, you know, eventually our sin will float to the surface. It may come out in harsh words or actions. It may come out in us repeating the very things we swore we would never do. We may lose relationships in our stubborn refusal to acknowledge what's floating around us, but it all eventually comes floating to the surface. Luke 6.45 says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A little plug for the freedom course here. We, we examine these areas of life where we've found ourselves upside down. It just started last Thursday. You're welcome to join in if you want. Little plug. <laughs> Why does God allow this to happen to us? Why doesn't he let us just keep things hidden? Well, quite frankly, because he loves us too much. 
He can't allow us to keep hanging on to sin, to keep hanging on to things that are binding us up. Jesus came and had gave us life and life to the full, as the Bible says. We are kidding ourselves that we can live a well-balanced life, confident in the face of God, when we're trying to suppress different things in our life. Even when these things have been caused by someone else, our bitterness towards them, our unforgiveness, our fears, we have let take control as a result, that's on us. But God loves us too much to let that be our state forever. God's word says we're ultimately responsible for our attitudes and actions in life. Galatians 6.5 says, for each one should carry their own load. And continuing in verse 7, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Romans 14.12, so then each of us will give an account of God, of ourselves to God. In Proverbs 28.13, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. So are you carrying your own load this morning? Or are you perhaps relying on someone else to do the heavy lifting for you? Or worse, blaming someone else for your circumstances? Take responsibility. And when you do, when you allow God in to help you deal with those things, you'll find your head floating above water once again. After all, it's only you who will stand before God to give an account of the choices you've made in life. So be careful what you cling to. What goes down must come up. My third point is stick with the herd. Whenever I feel myself tumbling over at aqua aerobics, there's always someone nearby who can help lift me up, like my friend Diane. Hopefully we've got the photo there of her reaching out as yet again I go under the surface. <laughs> you see, in that picture, Diane can grab my hand and lift me up and support me until I get my balance again but she can't keep me upright. She has her own journey. She's got to maintain her own balance. Ultimately, it's my responsibility with God to keep myself upright. Romans 12.10 says, Be devoted in one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. If you don't have at least one friend in your life, who honours you and builds you up, I can say categorically, you have the wrong friends. There are friends we can laugh with, friends we can play with, but we all need some friends that we can genuinely do life with, open and honestly, we, who we know will reach out their hand to help stabilise us when we're sinking. But there's another aspect to having good people in your life. One of the activities we do in the aerobics class is called the whirlpool. Now, I can't show you photos of this one. I know you're disappointed. Hold in your grief because it includes other people and I didn't have their permission. I know you're disappointed not to see me in my swimmers again, for those of you whose retinas are not already permanently scarred. But there is another one coming in a moment, I promise you. <laughs> Now, to create the whirlpool, we all form a large circle and walk in the one direction. And at first, it's slow going because you're pushing through the water. But, you know, it only takes a minute or so until a current is caused and you find yourself dragged forward by the person in front of you in their wake and pushed forward by the person behind you as they displace the water in front of them. And in moments, you're actually almost able to walk as freely as you would on dry land. 
I even tucked my legs up at one stage as an experiment and I was still carried along by the current. <laughs> and I equate that with the times that I have struggled to keep my head above water in life. And I've had the privilege of allowing others to carry me by their prayers and their practical support. But again, these are respite moments only. I do eventually have to start walking on my own again. Otherwise, I'm in danger of slowly drifting out of the current. Now, some of us perhaps just attend church on Sundays but aren't involved in anything else during the week, not even reading our Bibles regularly or praying. And I'm not here to judge that. We all have our moments, trust me. <laughs> but if we only come to church to get a boost from Sunday's current, it's not enough to sustain us throughout the week. And we can find ourselves being battered again and going belly up. Our Sunday needs to translate to our Mondays and our Mondays to our Tuesdays and our Tuesdays to our Wednesday. And we need to stay in that whirlpool with other Christians. We are meant to do life alongside other Christians. Totally fine to have friends who are not Christians, but oh, we must have some who are because that's the current generation right there that we can tap into. There's a synergy we create when we do that. So it's no longer our own individual struggle to move through life, but we can tap into the energy, the giftings, the encouragement, the current of the body of Christ every step of our way. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. But, you know, one thing I've noticed during the whirlpool exercise is that there are two or three people who refuse to join in. They just walk back and forth across the end of the pool. Now, they're still walking. They have their head above water, just as the rest of us. But they're certainly not walking as quickly because they've got the full weight of the water resistance against them. They're doing their own thing, their own way, but it's disconnected. And as Grace shared about her journey at church as a mum with uh, Josiah and, you know, why do I even come to church? <laughs> I'm just playing with my son. It's so easy, even in what we call our church family, to become disconnected if we insist on walking our own walk and don't tap into those things that the body of Christ offer us as a, as a group. So we're... I lose sight of these people every time we lap around in the whirlpool. But I never lose sight of the six to eight people in front of me. And I'm there for them if they fall over. They don't, I do. But I'm there for them, potentially, if they were to fall over. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So be careful what you cling to. Whatever you push down will float up and stick with the herd. And my final point this morning is beware the dismount. So how do you finish each day? Are you still able to function and cope with evening routine when you get home? Are you fresh and invigorated by the life you've just had during the day? The ladies I swim with pop lively out of the pool at the end of the class. They do a quick pat-pat, 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 dry with their towel, and then they daintily walk away, leaving only the merest half 
an impression of a wet footprint on the path. They have shaken off the day and the struggles they've had and it's all left in the pool. They don't let those things define them or the rest of their evening. This, on the other hand, is how I get out of the pool. <laughs> this is how I dismount from my day sometimes. And I'm willing to bet that there's a few of you here this morning who experience this type of dismount sometimes as well. It's my last photo, I promise, counselling, you know, it's all there. <laughs> you know, sometimes I'm just too exhausted from battling everything around me that I can't even lift my legs clear of the water. The things of the day are still clinging to me. And even when I finally manage to get out, trust me, Water gushes from me like Niagara Falls, from nooks and crannies I never knew I had. <laughs> and I'm just, I can't get over how much water keeps coming. Despite numerous towels and strategically placed plastic bags, my car seat is drenched by the time I get home and I'm still dripping water, which means I'm still carrying those things. They're still clinging to me. And I'm carrying them into the rest of my day and my next activity. You know, and if I let those things cling, then I can start to get fearful of what may be the next day's clinging and the next. And I begin to start each day then with perhaps a sense of dread about what I might encounter this day because I haven't fully disengaged from the day before. Stuff sticks to us if we don't know how to refocus ourselves on the four things of knowing God's character, understanding he only has good gifts for us, being assured of our salvation and the victory Jesus has already won, understanding God's word and how to apply it to our situation and inviting the power of the Holy Spirit into every circumstance. Jesus in his prayers for us in the book of John says in chapter 17, verse 16, talking about you and me, they are not of the world even as I am not of it. We live in the world, but we're not of it. You may have heard before the expression something like this. There's numerous paraphrases. We are not earthly beings looking towards a heavenly life. We are heavenly beings temporarily living on earth. And that changes our perspective. That refocuses us, doesn't it? And redefines the things that we're looking at around us. Again, as Ricky alluded to first up this morning, we reframe what we're looking at because I'm now a heavenly being looking at my earthly circumstances, which are already under God's full control. Already I don't have to do life alone. I've got the power of Father, Son, Holy Spirit and the body of Christ all with me doing life. And that changes things. You know, every day we live in a world that mocks the sacrifice Jesus made for us on the cross. A world that uses Jesus' name as a swear word. A world where we're faced with difficult circumstances, injustice, danger, aggression, workplace issues, hassles at school, poor health, poor finances. But we are not of this world. Those things cannot have victory over us. We can dismount well if we know what to cling to. And if we deal with those things that start to float around us as we, they arise, if we stick with the herd, we can dismount well. The end of each day, we simply pray off the things that have challenged us and we pray in the refreshing spirit of God and it's really that simple. Every day, because we have absolute confidence in God's ability to bless us more than the devil's ability to harm us. Mm -hmm.